John likes tech and lives in Indiana, you know Kevin likes the Dodgers and talks on the radio John plays games on Xbox and on his Nintendo While Kevin runs around LA with his mustachio It's the Lack of Genius Podcast In your ear holes at last They don't know they're Mars and Venus That's why it's the Lack of Genius Podcast okay, It's the family episode today, right? It, it, it is And um, <laughs> so we, we've got my sister on And just for the sake of continuity, I suppose, uh-huh. we've never actually said her name in the past. So we won't today either. Exactly. Let's just focus on us. I'm Kevin, and what, what was your name again with the beard? M- my name's John. It's great to see you here, John. You too. <laughs> and we, we've got my sister here. Her name is Julia. Hi. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Or as I dubbed her last week, <laughs> documentary, doc, doctor, documentary something like that exactly julia's been a big supporter i was just thanking her uh before we got started here for for supporting us and she mm-hmm. t- i mean tell us a little bit about it. you have you actually have some experience with fandoms and documentaries right what, what yeah so i did my phd um at bowling green state university in northwest ohio not kentucky um <laughs> and it's a big confusion i was gonna say kentucky i was literally <laughs> gonna say oh that's in kentucky yeah so i did a lot of my graduate work in both documentary studies and fan studies which is a real field i promise it does exist <laughs> um and so for my dissertation i combined the two and then talked about documentary fandoms um and so it's my love of all things documentary and then i find a lot of enjoyment in studying fans um, uh-huh. not the spinning things. We, I was just going to say, I think we need to specify it's not the, no, the like media fandoms. Around. So like uh, people who are fans of like, you know, different TV shows or movies or music or whatever, insert text here. That's what a fandom is. So any fan. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't remember if we've talked about this on air, Kevin, but I know I've mentioned it to you about how Julie is not allowed to listen to our podcast without Jared. It's true. Her fiance. This is your fiance. Okay. Uh huh. And it's still true tonight because Jared is in there. Oh, Jared's, Jared's nice to be listening to us record this right now. You hear a random dude chime in. That's that's Jared. We're just going to have him in the background for every episode from now on. This is the guy on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it all just comes down to we're not in the car that often together, but when we are, it's a fun little half hour. We drive frequently a half hour. So it's kind of a perfect little podcast to fit into those drives. I'm going to I'm going to add a uh, couples bonding time to my resume now. That this is what our <laughs> this is what our podcast provides. Good. Good. Yes. Not not couples therapy. <laughs> yeah, but bonding, bonding time. Tidy up before we go, go any further with the show, show. Tidy up before we go, go fix our mistakes tonight. I want to get it right. Tidy up. I think, you know, and, and Dr. Documentary here, Julia, is getting extra credit because if I'm not mistaken, you brought a tidy up with you, right? I did. I think we should, I think we should start and let the guests go first, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this goes back quite a few episodes to the hometown episode. So there was conversation about Parks and Rec. I think it's toward the end of the episode. Um, and we had a small tidy up the next episode because I had texted John about the map of Pawnee, Indiana. And the tidy up was that I had texted him that it was upside down and flipped, or actually things that upside down and backwards. Um, 
Um, but mm -hmm. he couldn't find verification for that. We knew it was upside down, but the flipped or backwards aspect was not verified. Well, Rob Lowe has started a podcast called Parks and Recollection, uh, where they're going through <laughs> episode by episode, similar to like Office Ladies and some of those other types of podcasts where they, they chronicle and talk about each episode. And is Alan Yang, I think, is the writer on the show as well. And he confirms that Pawnee, Indiana is the map of Muncie upside down and flipped. So there you go. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Th thanks for that. That's a good tidy up. I'll, I'll, um, I'll jump in with one that last week I could not <laughs> stop emoting about how my brother became a patron of ours and it was just the greatest moment of my life. Was, have you ever seen me more joyful, John? No, I, you were pretty <laughs> joyful. I was like, I finally earned my brother's love. Well, my brother's name is Robert. My dad is, uh, well, we call him Bob, Mr. Bob, but you know, Bob is short for Robert. So my dad, under his email, which was under Robert Schatz, he signed up to be a patron, which don't get me wrong, I'm very thrilled and very th thankful for, but I know my dad loves me. I'm very clear on that. My brother still has something to prove, so I hope he's listening to this, or, or, or Brooke, his girlfriend, if she's listening, go poke him and make him give us some money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if memory serves, Brooke has already given us money, so... Brooke is a patron. She's so, not, I, I consider Brooke the, family, the, but she's not even married into the family or anything yet. It's, it's Right. She's, and, and, she's I mean, she's already sibling. shown her love for you more than your brother has yeah and i love brooke brooke i love you robert i love you too i don't want to be mean but yeah brooke is the best and then i'll just kind of jump and, and keep going because we did get a new patron thank you mm -hmm. to my dad by the way gosh that's so nice um and uh shannon rios who has been mentioned on the show before because she gave us a nice um a nice review i think on yeah. apple podcast mm -hmm. um she signed up to be a patron and i'm so excited about that her son ben who i believe is nine years old is apparently a huge fan of ours and has been since the beginning. And um, Shannon let me know that her and uh, she has two sons, Ben and Felix, and they, they go to swim lessons every Thursday, which is when our episodes drop. So they listen on the way to their swim lessons. And Ben has been, I, I chose this word, pestering Shannon, her mom, to become our patron, and she finally did. So Ben, man, thank you. We need to. We, ben should be our new our our, our promotions and marketing department. Right. <laughs> and then I I wanted I need to share this. So Shannon texts me. I, I'm just gonna play this for you. She she texts me this. This is her five year old son, Felix. Here you go. And the last podcast, and your ear was cracked. They don't know what most of the music I made off of. It's the rock of the tall cat. <laughs> that is, that's our theme song. It is. Kevin, did you ever think you'd have a song where you actually had a fan that would sing it? No, I, I didn't. And in fact, I know I've kind of mentioned this sort of children's music project that mm -hmm. I've been teetering around with. I'm not even being uh, exaggerated here. I, that was a huge inspiration to hear a young five-ish year old singing a song that I wrote. And I'm, I say that with humility, like that warmed my heart. And I, I'm like, okay, well now I now I got to release this project. Yep. By the way, I've listened to this clip a lot because it just does my heart so good. The lyric that he says is, you know, the, the actual lyric is, they don't know they're Mars from Venus. That's why it's the Lack of Genius podcast. But what he says is, They don't know what Mars from Venus I made all the stuff. It's the lack of Venus podcast. They don't know what Mars and Venus are made of. That's why it's the lack of genius podcast. And, and you know what? I was like, Felix, you're right. I don't know what Mars and Venus are made out of. <laughs> and I, I'll, take, I'll take this one more step that, John, I know we have an episode planned for next week. So if I'm throwing mm -hmm. up too much of a curveball here, let me know. I thought that we should take the time 
to disprove a part of our theme song where we quiz each other on Mars and Venus because quite frankly I do know my Mars from Venus so that's kind of a yeah. lie. I think it would be funny if one of if each of us took and uh, took a planet and then quiz each other on it. You do Mars, I do Venus or vice versa. Okay. Should we should we do that next week? Yeah. Should we just should we just jump in and be spontaneous? Yeah, let's do that. Because a fan a fan inspired an episode right. and I think I think we should honor that, you know? I think we should. Okay. Well, mad mad props to Felix for for getting that ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll do one more. Last week, we were talking about the Detroit mechanics of the AUDL. Right. And my point was that they hadn't won a game as far as I was aware. That I'm grateful to report that that's not true. <laughs> they are one. I know. Their all-time record is 16 wins, 110 losses. Oh. So it's not a great record, but 16 wins is a whole lot better than zero wins. So I apologize for not giving credit where credit due. They haven't won a game since April 29th, 2017. So that's where sort of my knowledge was coming from. But I do, I mean it when I say, man, go show the go show the Detroit mechanics some love because they deserve it. They're currently sitting at a 12.7%. <laughs> that's oh that was that's so they won 12.7 percent of their games yeah like even in baseball i would consider that bad right yeah yeah <laughs> well when john when you and i move out there and and, and join the team we're gonna, we're gonna be the saviors of the detroit mechanics or something it's gonna like, go to 20 like percent win record yeah, exactly we'll bring that 12.7 up to 20 i, I mean that, that that's an increase of 50 percent then i okay. i feel like in anything that would be a good a good ratio to increase so we're uh, we're couples bonding time, and we're yeah. we're franchise savers in Ultimate Frisbee. That's what we are. <laughs> this is the Lack of Genius podcast. Thank you for yeah. tuning in. Yes. Yeah. It's time to take a quiz or two. Lack of Genius podcast doing this for you. You may fail, but it ain't no lie, baby. It's quiz time. Don't really want this quiz to be tough. I just want to pass one because I failed enough. It might sound crazy, but it ain't no lie, baby, it's quiz time. D- Dr. Documentary, you had to be an NSYNC fan back in the I day. Was. Tell me you were. I was. I very much was. No backstreet, it was all NSYNC. You were all team NSYNC, yeah. Because she was jamming out to that song, and I was like, okay, <laughs> I think I think there's some bye-bye-bye love in her heart right there. <laughs> nice. Well, it is quiz time. This is the time. If you're new to the show, we, we usually John and I quiz each other every week. We, we mm-hmm. each pick a topic and we do five questions each. When we have a guest on, we have them bring eight questions just to kind of, you know, make the, the flow of things a little better. But yeah, today, Julia will be quizzing John and I. And, and yeah. John, we, th- we have something on the line here today. Did you? I forgot all about this. Do you know what it is? Yeah, we're both tied. Yeah, we each have five wins. We've tied twice so maybe mm-hmm. we'll tie again or one of us will one of us will have yeah. the upper hand on the other for for at least a week except for the very first week you've never had the upper hand on me no no you're right i won the very first episode but yeah you're right because you went on a good little run mm-hmm. and then uh, and then in these past few episodes i've went on a little run and so now we're, yeah i've not done good lately yeah well maybe maybe you'll have home field advantage with having your sister be the quiz master i so. don't know i don't think john's read much of my research or anything so and i i have read all of it for <laughs> Well, I'm I'm ready. I think we just jump right in. All right, are you ready for the first I, question? Very I much am. so. Okay, what year is the first documentary released? 1896, oh. 1918, 1922, or 1929? So, first question I have mm-hmm. is: there a specific format that documentaries can't be? Like, is a documentary video? Audio, both. Can it be written? It can be any, but primarily video here. 
Okay. So essentially, what's the first documentary film? I mean, that was my interpretation. Yeah, because documentary audio, like podcasts are totally can be documentary radio, all of those. Yeah. But specifically film. Got it. See, I, I when I see this question and I see dates, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big history guy. <laughs> you know, to me, I'm like, okay, well, what was there a significant event that was covered? Like, what was the documentary about is where my mind goes. And then that might right. be a clue to the to the answer. Now, I, I have something in my head that I don't want to say yet because I don't want to lead John to it. But I do have something brewing in my head. But yeah, what are your thoughts, John? I've got a vague idea. Mm. Um, as, you, as you Google the answer? No, um, I was actually looking up a date of something else. And it's something that I've actually mentioned in the past. Oh, and for some reason, I'm feeling like the Chicago World Fair had something to do with it. But that was in 1893. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how long that went on. I, I know which one I'm going to choose, even though logically, I don't I don't th- see how logistically they could have covered this. I'm For some reason, I have the Titanic in my head, which I believe <laughs> was in 1912. And I'm thinking with the way technology is, and may, I, maybe they had footage. Some I, I don't know. I'm just... I'm just putting, I'm going to put 1918 out there. That's going to be my choice and I'm locking it in. I'm doing 1896 because I know that there's been video of Nikola Tesla. Oh, all right. So you lo- you locked in 1896. I'm doing 1896. I'm locking in 1918. Doctor Documentary, what do we got? You're both incorrect. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Let me play one more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So 1922 is the correct answer. And I, that's that's all I'm going to say at this point because I don't want to give away Ooh. for the next question. We don't even get a why yet. This is this is lack of genius history. The first five questions are going to be, be very close to each other. So after the first five, I'll go into more detail of all of them. So this is a good tease for our listeners too because they're like, I need to know, <laughs> I need to listen more now. So thank right? you. You're doing great. Let's let's go, let's go on to the second one. We're both zero for one. So what is considered the first documentary? <laughs> Man of uh, the North. The Arrival of a Train, Moana, or Man with a Movie Camera? <laughs> oh, God, I hope Man with a Movie Camera is a real thing. That is fantastic. <laughs> These all exist. I will tell you that. They all exist. And Moana, we also know, was a was an animated Disney film. But, you know, obviously there could have been a, a documentary called Moana. I don't know. I've only actually heard of one of these in reference to, like, a documentary. Right. And I think it's probably the answer I'm going to choose only because there's something telling me, like, if I've heard of it, it probably means it has some significance. Yeah, I mean, I think I've got an idea as well. It sounds like we both have an answer that we're leaning towards. Yeah. Nanook of the North is the one that's jumping out to me. And I'm going with the arrival of a train. Oh, man, that makes me think I'm wrong now because you're smart, John. (laughs) So are you going to lock in arrival of the train? Yep. And I'm saying Nanook of the North and Dr. Documentary. What do you got? Kevin is correct. It is oh, Mammoth of the let get, North. Let me get the, let me just let me just get this in for John real quick here. <laughs> Sorry, John. That's mean. That's okay. So if you're a Frank Zappa fan, it re- references Nanook and Don't Eat the Yellow Snow. Um, and I don't know if that's because of Frank Zappa as a was a documentary fan. I don't know. Um, but there was a lot of after the release of Nanook of the North in 1922. 
Um, there uh-huh. was a lot of kind of advertisement of Nanook. You'll see Nanook all over. It kind of gets kind of peppered through history. So if you've heard Can, of Nanook, that's probably why. Without spoiling any questions, are you able to tell us what Nanook of the North is? I only have a vague understanding, but for those who've never heard of it. Nanook of the North um, was a film about a nuclear Eskimo family in the Arctic. I will say it's completely fictional. The family that is hired, they were all hired. They were not related. No. And and by nuclear, are you referring to the mother, father, two kids deal? Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of the film, the footage is actually a second take of the footage. The first um, reel burned um, when the director was editing it in the editing bay. (laughs) He was smoking smoking a cigarette and dropped it on the film and it just caught fire. You gotta love that nitrocellulose. What was that, John? I said you gotta love that nitrocellulose. Yeah, it's, it's very flammable. <laughs> It'll burn. And it also almost he lost footage while making Nano because it got so cold that both the footage just broke like ice. <laughs> um, and he also almost lost. I don't think anyone actually died, but they were quite close to dying filming it. That's wild. You you know the, it's considered the first documentary, but you would think like, you know, with the way equipment is and that there's enough challenges that maybe you wouldn't go to the Arctic for a documentary <laughs> to start. It did take him a long time. He had to shop it around to a bunch of different studios and finally found one that'll take it. It's a silent, what I call a silent documentary. There's um, no voiceover. There's no no voice. It, it kind of uses piano music and like those title slides with kind of what is next, but almost all of it is fake. The way that he shot some of the footage, there's like a footage Footage from inside the igloo, so it looks like he's actually inside the igloo, but it's actually only like half of an igloo. So, so it's it's like the original Blair Witch, kind of, yeah. But that's a that's a real documentary, though, is the thing. <laughs> so. It's not. Um, uh, okay, so I noticed in the question, it's what is considered the first documentary. Are there historians that argue that this isn't technically a documentary because it was set up or fake? Not necessarily. I mean, there's always a conversation around reenactments in documentary. Yeah. Not, it's it's not really contested on whether or not it's the first, but it'll okay. come, become apparent why it's worded that way. Got it, got it. All right, very interesting. That's great. I, I'm ready for number three. Are you, John? Yeah. Okay. Do it. So, um, who coined the term documentary? Thomas Edison, the Lumiere brothers, John Grierson, or Edward Moybridge? Wow. And listener, you're not seeing Edward Moybridge, but that is a spelling. Oh my gosh. That's about as Scottish as I can think of. There's like 17 vowels in there. Edward, Edward is spelled E-A-D-W-E-A-R-D. It's like, it's, uh, that's amazing to me. Um, okay. Right. I, yeah, this is wow. I mean, what a question. I, I mean, obviously, I, I assume you've heard of Thomas Edison. I have heard of Thomas Edison. I've heard of the Lumiere brothers. Did the Lumiere brothers kill elephants, or was that just Thomas Edison? I don't think they killed elephants. No, that was just Edison. Okay, um, okay, thank God. I, I I think the Lumiere brothers were the ones that did the famous movie of you know everyone's getting loaded into the bullet and then it gets shot into the face of the moon. No. I don't. I I'm actually not familiar. Well, we're not a video podcast, Julie. No, sorry. <laughs> I will say that Lumiere Brothers is the only familiar name, but I'm not even confident right. that I that I know or have heard of them. I don't know who John Grierson is and Edward Moybridge, other than winning name of the year. I don't I have no information on him, but I will tell you I have an answer that I'm leaning towards. Now, let's break down the word documentary really quick here. That's the next question. Oh, so let's not break <laughs> it down just yet. But it, it is, so it is interesting to think like, what was the thought process right. behind that? I'm ruling out Thomas Edison. 
He's got electricity under his belt and elephant kill. He's the one who invented elephant killing. Is that right? Am well, I- at least through electricity. Oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. I, I could sit here and, and like pick and choose. I'm going to choose Lumiere Brothers. I, I, I'm going because of the name Edward Moybridge. You're doing it. You're choosing Edward. Yep. All right. Locked in. You are both incorrect. Uh, wait. There it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I can give, I can talk about this one. So Lumiere Brothers and Thomas Edison are about the same time. Lumiere Brothers actually created the arrival of a train. So the arrival of a train is that really popular, uh, you've seen it, I can almost guarantee you. It's yeah. a train arriving at a train station. So that's that's Lumiere. Um, Edward Moybridge uh, is infamous for, he's 1800s, and he was really pioneering some of the early work of animation and understanding how multiple images in a row create video. So he would make like wow. galloping horses he made like this special oh, yeah. lantern that turned yeah you've seen it probably like and i think there's a yeah. cat jumping off of a table or something and so he was kind of putting together all of these pieces of if you put pictures together in, in quick succession you get like a moving image so the answer is john grierson <laughs> and, and, for, and first off I, I must apologize if we have any ancestors of edward moybridge listening he is, in fact, English, not Scottish. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and the film and that John referenced about the rocket to the moon um, is A Trip to the Moon, and it's by Georges Malaise, and I'm not French. Regardless of my last name, I'm not French. Um, and so I'm <laughs> sure I butchered his last name. But Georges Malaise is famous for work in visual effects and really Ooh. starting of that early stuff. And so A Trip to the Moon was one of the earliest times of using cuts and jump cuts to make people disappear and appear and and different things um so trip to the moon is very famous but it's not a documentary it's completely fictional (laughs) obviously yeah because we didn't go to the moon we've never been to the moon that was in a studio um i don't i don't actually believe that but what's so fascinating about this is that like we know now as a society that moving pictures make a film i mean i don't know that all of us break down a movie to that point but this is literally like revolutionary thought that nobody had put together yet like oh you put moving images together that's amazing and just just that they're special effects and to to kind of start digging into that at that time pretty incredible right well and i mean just to go with the trip to the moon a little bit the movie hugo if you haven't seen it Mm. is very good part of the movie is working with uh george millet like there's this boy and he ends up with him and like helping on the the set of a trip to the moon and so you kind of get to see how they were doing it and stuff and in color and so yeah all right well i think we know what's coming on number four and uh john i don't mean this meanly you don't have any right you're oh for three and i'm one yeah i'm oh for three well i'm only one ahead of you so there's there's time i was really worried this is gonna be a really hard quiz and i think i made it too hard i'm sorry hey that's all right we've done the same thing so yeah yeah all right so how many words are in the definition, the original definition? So not what we think of it as today. So when it was oh. first coined, what was the original definition of documentary? Five, 10, 15, or 20 words? I'm going with five just because reasons. <laughs> well, you know, that's where my gut goes too, is as much as I don't like choosing the same answer. But to me, the mere fact that this is a question tells me that there's probably something significant about it. Yeah, in my mind, it's either five or 20. Yeah, exactly. And I'm wondering like if it's something, I can't think of what it would be, but documentary, a film about real things. You know, it's, like, that's five, that's five. Right. Like it, it's some, it's going to be, it's either something simple like that or it's, or it's not, I don't know. But I got to be honest, I don't want to choose anything but five. So I'm locking in Same. five. 
Okay, Same. we're both choosing five. All right, you're correct. Hey, hey we got one. And Kevin got a word right. Was it A? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a thing. Is Bonus that a points. thing? Is that the second word? The original definition is a creative treatment of actuality. Whoa, those are big words. Like, I yeah. mean, I know what they mean, but that's a, that's a mighty impressive sentence. Yeah. Those would be some college words. Those are some college words. <laughs> so this goes back to what I was talking about in the Anuk of the first considered aspect. If you think about the words, a creative treatment of actuality, it's not so much what we think of today as whether or not it is true or false. You're looking at uh, actuality and you're putting a creative aspect to it. It's morphed into this nonfiction. It is real. Everything we've seen in documentary exists. But when it started, that was not necessarily the intent. And we'll get into it in the next question. So I, I guess in that that sense, because, the, you know, there there was a boy that was raised by wolves and then later found. In real life? Yeah. It, um, is the Jungle Book a documentary then? So it's funny you ask. So some scholars would consider On the Waterfront from with Marlon Brando from the 1950s could have been considered a documentary under this definition for the simple fact that although On the Waterfront isn't necessarily a real film, to our knowledge, it's not about reality, it could have happened. Something to that extent could have happened and it could have been actuality. So since we're talking about mob movies. <laughs> Wait, is On the Waterfront a mob movie? Yeah, I don't even know. Do you know the phrase, I could have been a contender? Do you Have you heard that line, like people quote it? Wait, what is it again? I could have been a contender. Yeah, It's yep, from uh -huh. that film. So Marlon Brando's character is, I don't know, it's been a hot minute since I've seen it, but it, it, it's a mob it, film. Yeah, he's an up and coming boxer and, and the local mob gets involved. Got it. There's a band called The Front Bottoms that I really like. They have a song called Funny You Should Ask. And in that song, they sing, I could have been a contender. That was my reference point. I wanted to shout out the band and I got it in. So there you go. <laughs> What's question number five? And this is the last one of all the first five questions that are all smushed together. So the first use of the term documentary was used on what film? So this is not necessarily Ooh. the first film, but what was the first one it was used on? So it's the same four questions or answers as possible earlier. Nanook of the North, The Arrival of a Train, Moana, and Man with a Movie Camera. So the real question we have, Kevin, is she willing to put in a qu two questions that have the same answer? Oh. I mean, if she, if she did that, then I think that's the first time that's happened. Yeah, I think this is the first time that even the same answers have been used as an option. You, you know your sister better, so. I mean, I feel like it's possible, but I think I'm just going to go with my original answer from the first question. That was the arrival of a train, right? Right. You? Gosh, I have a feeling that's going to be right, but I really, I just, I really want to pick Man with a Movie Camera. I really <laughs> want to pick it. It's a good film. I, I, if you pick that and I'm right, we're tied. <laughs> ah. Yeah, which I think makes makes things more interesting. So I'm going to pick it. I'm picking Man with a Movie Camera was the first time that the term documentary was used on a film, and I'm locking it in. And I'm going with the arrival of a train. Both uh, wrong. <laughs> At least we're both wrong. So it was actually used on the 1926 film Moana. Not to be confused ah. with the Disney cartoon fantastic movie Moana. But I'm guessing based on the same cultural story, right? Yeah. So it's set. So it's actually the same filmmaker as Nanook of the North, Robert J. Flaherty, who is considered the first film documentary filmmaker. John Grierson was the first one to use the term. He actually used it as an adjective and not as a noun. Um, so now we think of documentary as a noun. It is a genre of film. It is a, a thing. But his first use of it was to describe Moana in 1926. 
The story is that Flaherty's, he had such a great hit with Nanook of the North that they basically told him, now go do this somewhere hot. And he did. <laughs> um, he chose Moana, but it was not, um, it didn't hit the same way. There was still an audience, just not the same hard hitting audience as Nanook. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. for people, it's a lot more fun to watch someone freeze than it is to see them in really hot tropics. I know that's it for me. <laughs> I, I, I keep telling you, Survivor needs to go Survive, north. You're right. Yeah, a lot Survivor Alaska. Yeah, both films are really interesting for different reasons. Grierson used the phrase about Moana in a write-up, quote, it has documentary value. That oh. was the first use of the term documentary. It was then later defined by Grierson to the five word, a creative treatment of actuality. And it was retroactively decided that Nanook was the first documentary. So the, the worded question of the what was considered, that's why it's, con- it's written that way. Because it's what's gotcha. considered because it was retroactively deemed a documentary. We have a definition now and we're going to stick it to Nanook. That's essentially what happened. Yes. So those are the first five questions. They are all tied very closely together. In my notes, I have very like yellow highlighted, don't say who and don't say what. (laughs) So I wasn't giving away questions. You were the perfect guest. I love how serious, and when I say serious, I mean like you're having fun, but you wanted to do this right. I love it. That makes me so happy. I, I feel like you need to create a documentary about this, so that way our future guests can watch that. Yes, this is the, all the tips do. you need for being a guest on the Lack of Genius podcast, yeah. Okay, well, we're on number five. I'm two for five. John, you're one for five, and we're ready for number six. Yeah, and it appears to be your downfall of questions. Wait, wait, what? Oh, yes, true or false? <laughs> true or false, cinema verite and direct cinema styles of documentary film are the same style and are interchangeable terms. Now. Cinema Verite is that's usually what I order at Starbucks. That's where I go to. <laughs> that was a bad joke, but I'm going to leave it in. So, I, I mean, I know I know Verite is, I believe, French for truth. Oh, look at you helping me Derived help. from Veritas, which is Latin for truth. And what is French for truth? Wait, did you just say that? Yes. Verite <laughs> is French for truth. <laughs> just like truth is English for truth. Truth is English for truth. I knew that one. <laughs> wow. So I'm, I'm going to read that question out loud again for myself and for our listeners. So true or false, cinema verite and direct cinema styles of documentary film are the same style and are interchangeable terms. I think I know what I'm going with. Okay. As long as definitions apply, like if the names define the definition. It sounds like you're going to pick true, John. I'm actually going to pick false. Oh, okay. So you're saying that they're not closely related enough if right. verite means truth. See, I'm tempted to look at it as direct cinema means we're filming something direct. Like there's no, you know, we're, we're, we're covering this. And so in that right. sense, we're showing the truth. So that's where my mind goes. I get that. My, my mind is going this. Cinema Verite is not necessarily like a whodunit movie, but you're oh. trying to figure out the truth through the documentary. And so you're leading the viewer down the path of the logic where direct cinema is you're just showing what's happening. Oh, interesting. Wow, John. I, I think we're I think we're choosing opposite answers on this one then. Okay. You did just make a very compelling argument for it, but I'm going to I'm going to stick with true. I'm sticking with false. All right. What do we got? John is correct. It is false. And then let's give me the shame. So, so how how correct am I? You're actually pretty good on it. So Cinema Verite. Is- yeah, you would be good on it. <laughs> 
so cinema verite is French for truth cinema. So you were you were good. I was really hoping you would know the word cinema and what it meant. Is wait, you know what? This is a dumb question, but cinema is that literally French for film or is it an English word? I, I should word, know that right? answer, but I do not know that answer. Tidy up yeah, for next okay. week. Um, so <laughs> it's French for truth cinema. Um, it's 1960s by Jean Roche. He coined the term. He has a really interesting film called Chronicle of a Summer where he talks to people throughout a summer and just asks them, are they happy? And it's a really, wow. um, it's a really interesting film. Simple question. That yeah. You could get really simple answers from. Yeah, I'm happy. Or some people who get really into it. That is so fascinating. Yeah. And then they are actually within the film is all of the individuals he asked. They watch the documentary within the film. So uh, Cinema Verite, the whole thing is a director or filmmaker actually interferes with what he or she is filming. So oh. they might say, hey, go talk to this person or I encourage you, you know, kind of pushing, nudging people. Direct cinema is what you guys were both kind of hitting on the nail. It is very what it sounds like. It's very much filming and then giving it directly to the audience. It is edited. It's still cut down to like a feature film. But these are people like the Maisel's brothers who are known for salesmen and gray gardens. And then the Drew Associates who are known for crisis and primary, who, which follow JFK. And so it's very much film. They're not interfering. They might be asking clarification questions, but they're not going to be nudging them to go a different direction or a specific direction. So a lot of times they are used interchangeably. And that's where this question comes from. Um, but cinema verite and direct cinema are actually two different styles, but they're, they look similar on film. I don't know if this is a sad thing that this is where my mind goes, but it makes me think of reality TV where in theory, <laughs> it's supposed to be direct cinema where no one interferes and you're just watching something, but it's probably more often than not cinema verite where the producers and people are getting in and nudging you to do things or giving you incentive to do things. Oh. It's like you're reading ahead to question number eight, Kevin. Oh, man. Oh, I can't wait. I can't. Because there is there's a there's something coming to my mind right now, but it's, it might not be number eight, but I'll bring it up later because I don't want to spoil anything else. OK, well, well, we're going into question seven, which is there's mm -hmm. eight total and we are tied, John. We're both two out of six we are. Right now. So this is going down to the wire, which is very exciting. All right. According to Yahoo News, what documentary is the highest grossing documentary film? Wow. Blackfish. March of the Penguins, Catfish the film, not the TV show, or Fahrenheit 9-11. I feel bad in that I only know two of these. Yeah, me too. Probably the same ones. I know March of the Penguins and Fahrenheit 9-11. Yep. Same. And I wonder if Catfish is a, is a somewhat recent film that is similar to the TV show Catfish, or if it's something completely different, like a guy who sticks his hand into mud pipes and brings up isn't that how you isn't that how you uh mudding yeah no, is mudding. that what it's called so when you stick your hand catfish, in a mud thing i, I, I forget and the catfish film comes out was your the hand. precursor to this show it's the same it's neve it's the same guy he he made oh, this actually. documentary and then it became a tv show because it was such a hit and mtv was like hey let's do another thing that's not music videos <laughs> yeah and so this the question again is the, the this what documentary is the highest grossing documentary film and just can you tell us what Blackfish is? Blackfish was about sea orcas and Sea World a few years ago. I think it was twenty fifteen okay. or fourteen. And did it gross higher than any other documentary or <laughs> I'm not answering <laughs> no, that like, one. Is she, is she gonna tell me? So we got Blackfish, March of the Penguins, Catfish, and Fahrenheit nine eleven. Highest grossing documentary film. 
the two that jump out to me are March of the Penguins and Fahrenheit 9-11. That's, right. I'm, I'm kind of between those. I'm, I'm hesitant to choose Fahrenheit 9-11 only because it does carry such a, a, a left-wing bias. And Michael Moore? Never. Yeah, right? So <laughs> I have a hard time seeing it being on fire in certain parts of the nation. My gut is I, telling me March of the Penguins. Same. I mean, it's a very family friendly. I remember when yeah. it came out, like it was Morgan Freeman voiced it, if memory serves, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I mean, we're, we're working on getting him to voice our podcast, by the way, to voice the intro to our podcast. I mean, who, no, who doesn't want he to hasn't responded to Morgan yet. Freeman? Yeah. March of the Penguins are so universal. You know, so if Blackfish is about SeaWorld, you know, and the mistreatment, I'm guessing, of right. uh, like, Super fascinating, but some people may not want to watch that. Catfish is is very um, intriguing, but I don't know that it has as broad of an audience reach as right. cute little penguins do. I'm going to choose March of the Penguins. Same. Give Morgan Freeman his credit. So we're both locking it in? Yeah. <laughs> Incorrect. Fahrenheit 9-11? You guys chose the number two. So March of oh. the Penguins is number two with $77.4 million. Ooh. Fahrenheit 9-11 is the winner ah. here with $119.1 million. I mean, wow. it was at the height of Michael Moore's. So think about 9-11. So with all of, you know, we're, we're post, we're just a week or so post the 9-11 anniversary, the 20th mm -hmm. anniversary. And so there's all these documentaries coming out. And I kind of forgotten about all of the conspiracy theories that happened in mid 2000s. Yeah. And I think this hit just at the right moment. Um, and plus Michael Moore, he had come off a sicko and... and um, Bowling for Columbine. Bowling for Columbine. Capitalism, a love story, I think, was after 9-11. So he's kind of a real big name at this point. Wow. All right. John, we're we're tied. We're tied going into the last question. We are. Oh my god, who are you rooting for, Doctor Documentary? I don't know. I I just sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You I this, for your this last question. I I hope that one of you will get it right. Is that a true or false? No, it's about reality TV though. Woo! That's that sounds like it's leaning to old Kevin here. <laughs> and just based off of what Kevin was saying earlier, he might know the answer. I don't know. So. Which of the following is widely considered the first reality TV show and gave way for the future of reality TV as we know it today? Um, real World, An American Family, Cops, or Survivor? I don't know An American Family. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the wild card in this question to me. Because I'm I'm not familiar with that. But I know cops, I think, just ended. Like I think I don't think they're making any more cops. With all of the sort of negative publicity for yeah. police and the media, they yeah, it, it finished its run, I'm pretty sure. Just I mean, so. I, I, I I did enjoy real world back in the day. Yeah. You know, I, I actually enjoyed Road Rules better. I did too, because I like the competition better. Yeah. Yeah. Real but World real, Road real Rules. Versus road Rules yeah. was, was better. It's funny, I was just listening to a, a program that I won't name. It was an audio program, and the host on it, who's relatively young, probably like early 20s, was saying something. She was referencing The Hills, the show The Hills, and she was like, <laughs> oh, The Hills, that's the OG reality TV. And I was like, real world? That's literally what came to my like, do you Have you ever heard of the? She's probably never even heard of the real world. Like, I don't, Probably not. I, I'm thinking a younger generation doesn't even know that well, they did just did. do the. They just did a reunion with the launch of Paramount. Oh, with, with, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the very the first, first ever, real world um, cast got like did a kind of like the Friends reunion. I think they got back together or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just I guess we should do our part and just say like for those who don't know what these things are, Real World was was on MTV. We maybe we already said that, but like, but, yeah, well, they were both on MTV. Yeah, Real World and Road Rules were both on MTV. Real World was first, from my understanding, and mm -hmm. it literally was put people into a house. 
and and in a city like that was yeah. the whole thing like New Orleans, L.A., New York. Put them in a house and just film them Document for it. Yeah. three months. Kind, or whatever kind of like it was. Big Brother now, but without the competitions, without people getting kicked out. And then yeah. Road Rules was sort of uh, was more of a competition show. Where if I recall, they got it was an a RV. travel show. Yeah, they got an RV and they went to various places around the yeah. country. And if I'm if I recall correctly, they had didn't didn't they have competitions to do at each place that they went? I think so. Yeah. I don't know what the incentive was. I don't remember that. And then they created a, a hybrid where real world and road rules, basically they did, I think, road rules, but they went against each other and it was like a company right. and it was fun, man. I remember liking that stuff. I think I'm picking real world just because in, my, in my world, that is, that is the original reality TV. So, so you're going to, you're going to choose it too. So we're going to, it sounds like we're going to tie regardless. Did you ever want to be on it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, did. I, I, I mean, I wanted to do road rules more than real world, but I would have too. And both of us were way too young to do it. Totally. Yep. So it sounds like we're both locking in real world. Mm-hmm. All right. What do we got? You are incorrect. Oh, oh. is it cops? It's is the it one American that you've life? never heard of. It's an American family. We should have known, John. We should have known our ignorance was the. Was the I put answer. Survivor on there just for Kevin. Thank you. You know, it's my favorite. So, yeah, so Real World, obviously, it's really early. It is earlier than Cops and Survivor. But American Family was from the 1970s on PBS, even. Um, and American wow. Family uses Cinema Verite. Uh, that's the one where they, the director does interfere. They interfere, yes. Um, so it follows a family called the Loud Family. Is that literally their last name? It's literally the Louds. They are the Louds. Um, and okay. so it follows the Loud Family. Um, it's in the 1970s. The cool thing about an American family is it's one of the earliest cases of a an out gay man on television. Um, wow. And so it's one of the what, sons, eighties, 70s, moves to New York City um, from California. He gets really involved in the New York gay scene. Um, I think he actually ends up catching HIV AIDS um, oh, no. that and oh. or his friends and folks do. There's a connection there. Um, and so, and Ashley, because of a lot of the controversy around, she actually divorces her husband um, with some, con- like, it's what well, it's kind of known that the director kind of pushed her to divorce her husband. And so it's actually, it's really hard to find the footage. Um, if you find anything, it's clips and pieces of it. I've never seen a full episode because they're really hard to find, if not impossible to find. Um, but American Family uses the cinema verite approach. And so in, I think 2011, there's a 2011 HBO film called Cinema Verite, and you might have seen it when you're flipping through all the films. It's a film version of the, the filming of The Loud Family, and they, wow. they call it Cinema Verite. It's, pr- it's pretty fascinating, though, too, that, that, that again, mm-hmm. th- this was, a, this was a, a pretty revolutionary idea. Nowadays, it's let's film every kind of family possible and put them on TV because people, you know, um, Wow, Julia, what a quiz. We ended up yes. tying two out of seven, two out of eight. I will say I I feel smarter. Cinema verite is a word that I saw on this quiz thinking I'm never going to remember that. <laughs> I now know what that means and I feel well, better for it. We we both got a better score than the Detroit Mechanics. <laughs> Oh man, is uh, the Detroit Mechanics going to be the punchline for the rest of the lack of genius history? They probably are, aren't they? I, I, until they, until they, uh, until they get a, wi- uh, until we boost their spirits to get better. They're gonna, they're, yeah, exactly. You're gonna get a win next season, yes. Detroit Mechanics. You're gonna do it. So just for tidy up clarity, it's it, mm-hmm. we each have five wins and we now have three ties. And, exactly. Um, 
which is fun, which is fun and all. But the, mo- the more important thing is the fun that we have here. And Julia, you provided a lot of a lot of great conversation and fun yes. for us with your quiz. Well, this was fun. I, I kind yeah, of yeah. wondered if it would be too hard, but I had fun making it. So I don't think it was necessarily too hard. I mean, we we learned yeah. and that and that's part of what the podcast is about. You so. have literally proved our lack of genius. <laughs> On documentaries, and that's the name yeah. of the show. So you're right on brand. You're right on theme. You did a fantastic job, indeed. And yeah, we are. We we already talked about next week's episode because mm-hmm. we came up with it on the fly. Do you want to? Do you want to pick a planet now, or should we talk about it later? What do you think? Should we let Julia pick the planets for us? Yeah, we can do that. So you 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 assign between Mars and Venus. Pick one of one of us gets Mars, one of us gets Venus. Can be based on nothing. What do you what do you got for us? All right, I'm going with Kevin gets Venus because there's a V in his name. Okay, and that means John gets <laughs> Mars, but there's no reason for it. Just the fact that Kevin has V. Sorry. By default. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so next week we'll uh, do Mars and Venus. And uh, Julie, where can people find stuff about you and find your work? So the easiest way is to connect with me on Twitter. My first last name, uh, Julia Largent, is my handle. But I'm also a McPherson College. And so if you ever want to look me up, feel free to do so. I'm happy to respond to emails. And, and where is McPherson College? In the at? middle of Kansas. Yeah, and that's where you are right yeah. now, yeah. correct? That's where you live? We didn't even acknowledge that. She's in, she's right in the smack dab middle of our country right now. So if mm-hmm. you're on the West Coast, look to your right and wave to Julia. And if you're on the East Coast, wave to your, look to your left and wave. And you'll see. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and we asked Greg this question last week. Oh, yeah. What's been your favorite episode? I really enjoy oh, the hometown one only because I knew a lot of the answers. Uh, <laughs> all, all the Lomita ones? You knew all the Lomita ones? The Lomita, I didn't know anything about Muncie. No. Um, is, is there one that's brought you and Jared closer together? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he got very excited about the Muncie Flyers comment on the hometown because he told me about it this past summer. So he learned about it oh, way before right. you guys did. Can you just verify that Jared is available to sit on the couch in the background uh, every Sunday for us and just kind of be our... (laughs) He's silently laughing. I would like to point out that at some point during the podcast, he was in the background and he was twirling his mustache. (laughs) I I had so much delight from that. I just kind of twirled mine along with him. So, well, this has been awesome. I'm really looking forward to next week. Julia, I'm so glad we finally got not only you on the podcast, but your name on the podcast. We really appreciate you. And, And I'm just so grateful that any ears are hearing us. So thank you for being a set of those ears if you're hearing us right now. Yes, thank you. Julia, thanks again. We'll we'll see y'all next week. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Catch y'all later. It's the Lack of Genius Podcast In your ear holes at last They don't know they're Mars and Venus That's why it's the Lack of Genius Podcast They don't know what Mars and Venus are made of It's the Lack of Genius Podcast